Hi, I'm Charles Galda, President of Vision New England and your host for the Church in Action program, where we talk with New England leaders about the imperative to make disciples, do justice, foster unity, and share Jesus to transform New England. Uh, today, I have two guests. First time we're doing this uh, as a radio program with two guests, Wes and Casey Dillon. Uh, they are the co-founders of The Four Rivers, and I'm not going to say what word comes after that because they're going to explain it to <laughs> us, in Durham, New Hampshire. One of their projects includes building a partnership of ministries to resettle an Afghan family here in the States. Uh, and so really doing justice. And so Casey, Casey, Wes, thanks so much for being with us. Yeah, thanks for having us. Thanks for having us. So I, I left, I, I kind of left folks hanging. So what is the Four Rivers? Yeah. So uh, we, uh, about three years ago, we were looking to uh, start uh, a, a new kind of church and do church a, a different way that was going to engage our, our community. And we found that it was necessary to first start a nonprofit. So we started Four Rivers Project. And then a year later, started Four Rivers Church. And we started Four Rivers Project because we found that there were a number of people in our community that were eager to do good, but were uncomfortable doing that under the umbrella of a church. And so that, no problem. Let's just do Four Rivers Project. And that creates uh, a space. We think of it as a big table that we can just invite anyone that wants to invest in building a stronger community. And we can work together. And, uh, and then that allows church to be church and then project can just be a, a big table that a number of people can come together and work on a number of diverse initiatives. And does, is that the kind of thing where I know some ministries have set up that structure where you've got one structure that um, can take government funding, for example, and stuff like that, because it's not a religious nonprofit, but then there's a religious nonprofit who's doing that aspect of the work together. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. Okay. Yeah. And so let's back up a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your background, your story, how you came to be in the Durham area, which is what's called the seacoast of New Hampshire for folks who may not be as local to us, uh, but the southern, almost eastern part of New Hampshire. Um, how'd you guys end up here? Yeah, absolutely. So I I, uh, I grew up in Colorado and uh, I told me I got here as fast as I could uh, in uh, New England. But um, it was uh, while I was in seminary, and uh, came to New Hampshire in 1999 and was uh, part of the church planting team that was starting Crossway Christian Church in Nashua, New Hampshire. And so it was uh, leading up to that that I fell in love with New England and already had a passion for church planting. But um, when I was at uh, was in Nashua, met uh, my wife, Casey, and uh, we got married in 2001. Then in uh, 2003, ended up going into the marketplace and was in uh, software and technology sales for 15 years. And then it was uh, in 2019 that uh, the opportunity for church planting came back around. And uh, we uh, made some changes and we're fortunate enough to uh, start uh, Four Rivers Project and Four Rivers Church from there. But I'll let Casey tell about where her uh, background yeah. Yeah. I, uh, I grew up in New Hampshire, so I am a native New Englander and I tried leaving for three years to go to graduate school. And then, um, it just called me back, you know, once you're here, it just, for some of us, we just stay. So, uh, I grew up in Nashville, New Hampshire. That's where Wes and I met. Um, I am actually a physician assistant and I, I teach at a university in Manchester, New Hampshire in their PA program. So I wear a couple of different hats uh, and also, you know, lead Four Rivers Church with with Wes. That's a, a bit of my background. Um, so it's uh, it's been it's been a, a total honor and a true blast to be able to 
start a church in an area that I've called home for my whole life, but really with the folks that like, you know, I call my people. These are my people, you know? Well, now, so I get the connection to Nashua. You both have a connection to Nashua. You both have a connection to New Hampshire, but how'd you land in Durham? Yeah. Go ahead. You take that case. I, uh, I went to the University of New Hampshire. That was where I did my undergraduate uh, degree and and loved it and which, really which is, in, which is in Durham for folks who may which, not know. Sorry, go ahead. Yes, yeah, thank you. Yeah, which is in Durham, which is essentially where we live right now, where we've been the last sixteen and a half years. Uh, but loved the area, loved being uh, near and on and engaged with the college campus. And so when we considered moving back here after the three years away, um, we this this just felt like the place. Um, it felt like the place to, to, to raise a family, start and raise a family. Nice. Nice. And, and so tell us about a, a little bit, I want to talk about refugee resettlement, but I'd love to hear a little bit more. Where are you in the process of, of st starting and planting a church? Um, what's been happening with that? Fill us in a little bit if you would. Yeah. So we, uh, it was uh, 2019 that we, um, uh, Work, we uh, started working with uh, Stadia, which is our, our partner for uh, church planting, and started that whole process. It's like a, you know, a good six months to a year of sort of like preparation. Started that in 2019. Uh, little did we know there's going to be this uh, sort of global event coming up in 2020. So when, um, when uh, 2020 is when we were planning to launch Four Rivers uh, Church. And when COVID hit, uh, that really uh, caused us to pause. And uh, we started asking the question, what opportunities does this present to us? Um, rather than being frustrated that our whole schedule got thrown off. And that's when we really discovered the need for Four Rivers Project. And we did a number of initiatives that uh, were centered around bringing like, relief to those that were impacted by COVID everything from like food drives to uh, there's a couple of initiatives we did around like foster care. And we saw um, our community just come out in like just in incredibly generous ways. We just saw how big our, our, our community's heart was. Mm. Um, and then in 2021 is when we launched Four Rivers Church. And we are, you know, this community here in Seacoast region, um, about 2% of the population is involved in church on a weekly basis. And so our goal was we wanted to start a church that uh, the 98 percent of our and, and you're and you're talking about probably like Christmas week and Easter week too. With yeah, exactly. <laughs> those are the high point. Yeah, <laughs> exactly, exactly. Yeah, totally, totally. And and there's um uh, we've been involved. With, there's a, a number of great churches in in the Seacoast area. And so mm -hmm. if people want to go to a church, there's a number of great churches that they can uh, select from in this area. And so we really uh, were burning, like, how do we uh, launch a church that is going to go to the 98% that's going to engage our, our community? And so um, going you know, with the Four Rivers Project, uh, we just saw the way that our community responded uh, to this idea of, uh, of caring for the poor and marginalized and oppressed. Just saw them come, you know, reach out in incredibly uh, generous ways from that. And and so the you've been meeting then as a church since 2021. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. And and what were the, just touch if you would on the foster care thing you just mentioned. What were some of the foster care things you did? Yeah, in um, 
in well, for 2020 and 2021 during the holiday season, uh, there was we saw several just screaming needs. The local business community was really uh, was really concerned that everyone was staying home and was not uh, going to be uh, coming in. Their businesses were really struggling. Uh, the community, uh, you know, the average person was was frustrated. They were home. They were locked down. They wanted to do something. And then uh, hearing from those in the foster care community, they were uh, the needs were just were, were going uh, up into the to the right. So they were really concerned. So we started an initiative called Share the Light, and it uh, brought together local businesses, uh, community organizations, the town government, um, uh, chambers of commerce. And we it was an initiative where uh, people would go into a local business. They would buy luminary bags that uh, we um, had one night we called Light the Night. They would light it up um, in neighborhoods, everything. And 100% of the proceeds would go to kids that were in foster care. So uh, people end up going into local businesses. The businesses benefited. The community was able to rally around it. Uh, the the town government, the chambers of commerce, everyone was able to like uh, was able to get on board with it. And uh, the first year we raised uh, six thousand dollars that went to kids in foster care. Uh, next year uh, in twenty twenty one was uh, seventy five hundred dollars that was raised, and it just. Um, it was this sense of like, it was this, this big table and the more people that came to the table and the more that people like worked together, the more everyone benefited by working together. Yeah. It's a great reminder that not that when we think about, there's a huge need for foster care, obviously. Um, yeah. but the solution for all of us isn't necessarily to foster because not all of us are in that position, but there's tons that can be done to support fostering. Even if you don't take foster care kids in yourself. Right. Yeah, sure. And 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 so now, not just foster care kids who need taking in, refugees need taking in. So tell us a little bit about the refugee story. How did you get started in it? What made you think to do it? Right. Yeah. Give us a little, please. Yeah. Uh, it was. It was. I have. I have no other explanation uh, except for saying that God had His hand completely in the midst of this process because mm-hmm. none of us. Uh, including myself and Wes leading this and uh, in our community had a lot of experience with, or any for that matter, with refugee resettlement. Uh, We had been meeting, uh, you asked, you know, about the church meeting. We do meet uh, every Sunday in different ways. We meet in person for a worship service. We meet um, for a a dinner one night where we talk about issues of justice and building community. We meet in in small groups and in homes. So we'd been doing that for, um, for a period of I don't know, maybe at that point, six months or so doing some online things because COVID was still happening. And I saw uh, something on one of the Vision New England um, online newsletters that that we get, you know, that, that are amazing. Uh, something posted about uh, being able to partner with uh, Park Street Church in Boston and this opportunity for other local churches in New England to to um, to engage with Park Street and bringing um, uh, Afghan refugee family to the area, to to our local area. So I again, I just said, like, I wonder if this is the thing we have seen our community through things like Share the Light, um, some of the other initiatives we have seen our community come out, um, come alive when we do things that really are honestly what I expect the people that aren't involved in church, the, what they think churches should be doing, you know? Mm, yeah. uh, so I, I reached out to um, the connections that you had listed uh, at Park Street and our journey began. That was in December of 20, 
what year are we in, Wes? That was 21. December 2021. Yes. Um, uh, we we brought we met the family that now lives in our next next town over from us. Uh, we met them late December of 2021, and they moved to uh, our area, a place called Epping, New Hampshire, um, which is again the next town over from us. They moved at the end of March. Uh, they are a family of nine now. They were a family of eight, but they had a baby uh, while they were here uh, back in the summer, which was incredible. They are uh, an incredible family that I could talk about for hours and hours on end. Um, and uh, we we did that with a team of about 50 to 60 people, um, part, partly those from within Four Rivers Church and those in the community that have nothing to do with church. Mm. Uh, people kind of, we, we talked about what we wanted to do, having zero idea what we were actually doing and said, we're trusting God. We're trusting God in this like step of faith we're taking that this is what Jesus calls us to do. And it's been a, it's been incredible. Yeah. And you said so, 60, but it's uh, actually was ended up being 160, like that of total mm. that were involved. And yeah, like 60 were in the core, but yeah. um, 160 from, and only 40 of those were like from Four Rivers Church. Uh, yeah. 120 were from the broader community. Yeah. Good to clarify. And so other churches or not churched or some combination? Uh, it, a combination, honestly, I would say a large, a large majority were not people involved with any church at all. We did have uh, one local church um, partner with us uh, in in meeting some of the larger needs, like purchasing a vehicle and um, some of the furniture. They were incredible uh, in Raymond, uh, New Hampshire. Wonderful. Um, the lead pastor there was had a connection prior with Park Street Church, uh, Kevin, and so we yeah. we've had we've built a beautiful relationship with with them. Um, but but a large that's, majority that's Kevin McBride at Raymond Baptist. Thank you. Yeah, that's Kevin McBride. He uh, he's been a phenomenal partner to us, and in fact, he's the kind of guy when I'm like Kevin, I feel like we should do this again. He's like, okay, why not? You know. <laughs> so uh, so we um. We really were able to engage. It surprised us, honestly, Charles. We we suspected this would be, we didn't know. Would this be a small group, 10 people from our church? What You know, and it, it turned into, um, from the moment we kind of put the word out there in different varieties of social media and just word of mouth, the amount of people that essentially almost came knocking on our door saying, how do I get involved? Like, how can I help? I want to do something. This is incredible. I don't care that it's a church. This is, this is incredible. Like, I want to be a part of it. Um, so I would say it was it was probably it leaned a little bit more towards unchurched than even the church folks that were part of the team. And and so tell us, and I'm sure there's not a cookie cutter process about this exactly, but I'm sure there's some commonality. But what did it look like for you? So you reach out to Park Street Church and what was the process then between that and a family showing up in uh, Epping? Yeah, uh, that's that's a great question, because, again, we didn't we didn't understand the process. So there, um, there are a couple of, of, um, in particular, one organization that has really, in addition to Park Street, really walked us through this process. Um, it's an organization that is called Welcome NST. They are locally, uh, locally founded in Massachusetts, actually, but have a national presence now and really have only been a nonprofit for the last year have already resettled almost a hundred families through all private sponsor circles. So 
And that's essentially what we were, right? So we we were we formed a private sponsor circle. It is a it's a it's a unique way of bringing refugees into the the country and into communities. It is not um, govern. They are not government funded. We weren't we weren't supported by the government in in financial ways. Um, but basically, it's it's individual communities that say we can we can do this. Um, we can we can change lives. We can invest in lives, uh, and it's a way to really expand the the ability to bring refugees to the country. So, so the process initially was connecting with uh, Park Street Church and and the folks part of their community outreach team that were leading this, and they guided us initially through through the, the steps of meeting the family and making the match. Um, it is uh it's there's a there's a little bit of a different setup now because the process of refugee resettlement is like all it's ever evolving and it's changing um that there are i would say easier ways almost to become sponsor teams and sponsor circles uh, as a community a church a, a group locally decided they wanted to to bring a family here it really is the first step is connecting with an organization that has the ability to match families in countries like now, this is primarily focused in Ukraine. Uh, the Afghan borders have been closed since that initial um, exodus of, of 100,000 Afghanis. Uh, but like, through, for example, through Ukraine resettlement, um, we, you find comp- uh, organizations that can match local teams with uh, families that are, are needing to get out of the country. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, and, Par- and Park Street, of course, is also working with World Relief, who's another piece of this in terms of that whole matchup. So once you yes. get hooked up with them, you're working with their network too, which is really useful. And, yes. and so, but you're saying things that if you guys are a smaller church, right? Because you're only been in business for a year, bad term, but you know what I'm talking about. <laughs> yeah. But, and, and so, but I'm hearing housing, car, furniture. How did all that happen? Yeah. Okay. I would say um, the commitment that you make is a two-year commitment to be a wayfinding community. And uh, what does that mean? (laughs) Whatever it takes. And so, yeah, housing, uh, getting enrolled in school, finding a job, uh, navigating and and connecting like state benefits, um, uh, whatever, you know, whatever uh, finding, you know, uh, halal meat, whatever it takes is uh, what the wayfinding community goes. And yeah, you get that training and the resources. I mean, you have Park Street and uh, World Relief have been massive. Helps welcome NST as well. But it's um, with that training, you have to have the volunteers, and that's where I would say um, the you know Casey's one who's led the team, and uh, you know we we put the word out, and um, Casey's just done an incredible job of leading and developing and taking people who showed up willing and then Casey's just been phenomenal at seeing what is sort of the special unique both gifting that a person has but also seeing sort of like what their passion is and sort of matching need and passion and we've seen over and over again it's from my perspective it's been so fun to watch just so many people come alive and uh that uh for many of them, it came at a point in their lives that they were just like this. They've been looking for something like this. And mm. it just, we've often said, I'm not sure who this helped out more. Um, our, you know, our, our community as and our broader community has benefited just as much uh, as uh, families have been able to help because it's just been uh, it's it was something that uh, people in our community needed. 
uh, as a way to invest. I think, um, I think Charles, there's a, a really good story that we tell often now that really, I think, gives a great example of what this looks like practically um, once all those details. I mean, it's a lot of details, but there are there are government and non-government organizations that do provide a crazy amount of support when teams take this on. Mm. And it's 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 heavy lifting, but it's not. It's like the work of the gospel and it's beautiful. It's just amazing. Uh, but I tell this story that we had an Easter service um, that we did outside this last year. Uh, and um, the family that we brought here from Afghanistan is Muslim. They are a Muslim family. We've had lovely, wonderful conversations with them about faith. And um, and I invited them to come to our Easter service to experience what it was. And they said, sure, we'd love to be there. At that time, they didn't have a license, so they couldn't drive. There's a lot of them. So I reached out to a woman in our community who's been a key part of the church, who is Jewish, a uh, key part of the, the refugee resettlement team who is Jewish. She said to me, okay, so let me get this straight. You're asking a Jewish woman to bring a Muslim family to a Christian Easter service on Passover. Sure. I'm totally in, you know, and it was just, it was, a, it was, it's a favorite story of mine because it shows, I think what the, what the, what the original hope and plan of the church, the local church is anyway, you know, it's this idea that we have, we come from all walks of life with all different journeys and backgrounds and stories and, it was, we don't all think the same or feel the same, believe the same, but we, it was just this beautiful picture of, of, and again, how this example, refugee resettlement brought a whole group of folks together um, to do something really purposeful. Well, I think that there's significance in that, right? Because on the one hand, look, we're told to care for the immigrants. We're told to love people. These are clearly people in need, right? So, so we're answering, right, very clearly our call. But it's also opening the doors to evangelism with the community where people are seeing you know, one of the biggest issues we have is we're dealing, we often deal with the stereotype of what the church is, not the reality of what the church is. Now, sometimes yes. the stereotype is the reality, <laughs> but, but in this case, it's not. And having people see, you know, this is what the church of Jesus does, yeah. Um, yeah. is, is a witness to the people you're working with and a witness to this family. And worst case, you're found being faithful doing what God told us to do anyway. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I love that there's a phrase that I hear often and it tells me it's always it's become sort of a sign to me that that well, that this is someone that God's working in their life. They'll say to me, Wes, I I I don't believe what you believe, but I I love what you're doing. That's a that's a good thing. Keep doing that. And then, and then they'll say it, it if you ever need anything, let me know. I'd love to help. And, and that always, to me, that's to me has been sort of like a tap on the shoulder from the Holy Spirit. Like this is where, uh, this is something's at work here in, in this person's life. Um, one, one of the things that we found, because this has been one of the most effective ways to engage our, our secular, you know, non, uh, you know, unchurched community. Again, less than 2% of the population is involved in church on a regular basis. Uh, in with at UNH, it's less than one percent of the student population that is involved, and so I think what we have seen as I kind of zoom out and look at this is that our community is really they're really frustrated. They see events going on in the world. They see massive humanitarian crises like Afghanistan or like Ukraine, and they've got almost unlimited resources of finance, of opportunity, of education of influence, but they don't have access to be able to make an impact. Mm -hmm. 
And that's something that the Church of Jesus is uniquely suited to do, to bring that kind of connection. And so, you know, um, uh, sometimes people ask me, like, well, where, like, where does the gospel come into this? And I get, the question I've learned to ask back is like, well, what's the right way to invite people to follow Jesus? Um, and if if you lead with, um, you know, mission, or if you lead with worship, like, what this is. Uh, it's it's proving to be a really compelling pathway uh, for people to say like, I, okay, I, I want to practice my faith. And, and we see it moving kind of like from a hand to a heart to a head kind of a, a, a flow. Yeah. And you guys are living out what we see all the time is when we disadvantage ourselves to serve and love other people, they care what we have to say about Jesus. Right. Until then, you're just like anybody else. Right. And if Jesus works at best case, if Jesus works for you, that's fine. I don't need that. Right. But but suddenly when you're disadvantaged, there's something different about that. Right. For sure. There's um there's a, a another story that I like to tell that I think um, is a I, I hope that churches would would find encouraging if they were considering doing something like this um, or just you know thinking about it. Right. The wheels are just starting to turn. Uh, we we were part of doing an AP News article. Um, they had invited us to do a, an article with the family from Afghanistan, um, and I was part of the uh, the Zoom interview. And we had a translator and the woman out in Southern California, the the journalist. And the last thing she said to the to uh, Mohammed was, "Is there anything that you would say to other refugee families about your experience with like?" with coming here with a private sponsor circle and neighborhood support teams. They're all the sort of synonymous terms. And he said, let's see if I can say this without crying because it, it still gets me every time. He said in very good English, he said, I would tell people to go find a church because churches are good and they help people. And I said, if, if we can influence, uh, uh, if we can have that kind of impact or influence on folks individually, you know, just one, one relationship, one person, um, one experience, uh, uh, at a, at a time, man, the local church could be what it was intended to be, you know, um, go find a church. They're good and they help people. Yeah. Right. You know, yeah, that's a great story. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. The, uh, and, and so that's a good place to end on that story. In fact, so thank you very much. And I will say, if there's somebody listening to this and is feeling convicted, called, interested, reach out to us and we'll get you in touch with uh, Casey and Wes. We'll get you in touch with Park Street um, so you can pursue it too. Uh, but guys, Casey, Wes, thanks so much for being with us today. Thanks for sharing this story and thanks for doing it. Mm. Thank you. It's, thank you. It's an incredible privilege. Yeah. It's an honor to, honor to be able to talk about it and share some of our experiences. So thanks for having us. Thanks. And so I'd also like to thank Jess Mangano. She's our producer, our listeners. I hope this dialogue helps us be the people of God doing the work of God to transform our world. Visit visionnewengland.org for past episodes and resources. Click on donate to partner with us to accelerate evangelism in New England. This program is brought to you by our friends at the Luis Palau Association who are dedicated to proclaiming the good news, uniting the church and impacting cities worldwide. God bless you and thanks for listening.